I feel like if everything and anything is acting and that's your whole life, if it doesn't pan out the way that you want to, I think it's it's really defeating. So I think it me you need to be a diverse person. You need to be able to have other um, interests and other likes and surround yourself around people that are going to help you in the journey. Um, not people that are gonna be jealous of you and try to tear you down. This is LA is Good For You, Tencel Tan, a podcast about the art, science, and business of filmmaking. Each week we bring you untold stories from the people who make Los Angeles the global capital of entertainment industry. Join us for your Hollywood 101. Do you know what differences there are between a talent manager and a talent agent? Nah, we don't either. That's why on today's episode, we are catching up with Meredith Newby, talent manager and owner at Propel Management, who represents actors who featured on top TV shows and national commercials. Well, let's start with a question that's on every aspiring actor's mind. What does a talent manager actually do? Well, um, I kind of feel like we are the ones that help groom and like develop the talent. Um, we kind of fill in the blanks for where the agent isn't able to, you know, um, you know, help the client. So for instance, like, you know, we give advice, personal advice of like, you know, what type of headshots to do, what clothing to do, what training to do. Um, and then just general business questions as well that we were able to answer that agents don't have the time to do. And a lot of times I think that managers are able to see the larger picture, Agents always want to just, you know, obviously, you know, book. It's all about booking. Yeah. Whereas a manager is seeing, okay, this person has potential and I can see a future for this person. And here are the steps that they need to take in order to make that happen. You know what I mean? So it's it's a, lo a lot more in the larger picture, I think, mm -hmm. the manager is. And, and of course, you know, they're also there to kind of be the voice of, you know, or the advocate for the actor as well um, and kind of you know, also hold their hands at times, you know, kind of help them through things that they're going through. Yeah. So you've already mentioned that, I guess, the main difference between agents and talent managers. Yeah. Agents all about booking, talent managers all about the big picture. But if you, right. if you were to dive in a, into detail a little bit more, mm -hmm. exactly how does it work? What does an agent do on a day-to-day -day basis versus what do you do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Basically, the agent is submitting and pitching. That's the main thing they're doing. And then there's a negotiation part of it as well. They're negotiating rates and pay for their client. And then they're looking at contracts and reading the contracts and making sure that they're sound. That's the main part of an agent. Um, manager is everything else that goes into play with that. So all of, you know, just the maintenance of the career of the actor um, and just being more detail oriented, I think they have to be. Um, they have smaller rosters. Typically managers have, most would have, you know, under 30, the good ones. And you're looking at an agent who has 100 to 200 clients. So obviously a manager is able to really pinpoint exactly what each client needs and have a better relationship with them because they have more time to spend with them and understand and, and get to know them. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how agents and talent managers make money. Um, I've heard sort of different uh, different answers to this question. 10% uh, for agents, but managers sometimes a bit more. Um, what's the truth behind it? Well, it, the agents, it's 10% and they're bonded and that's kind of like what the standard is for that. Um, as far as talent managers, because they're not 
it's not regulated as closely as it is with an agent. It is more kind of open, but typically most legitimate managers would be between 10 and 15%. Anything over that is a little, is unusual. And that's a, kind of a red flag if someone's, you know, trying to get like 20 to 25% off of their clients. That's a lot, you know? Oh, wow. So, Yeah. How did you get into managing actors? Because I, I believe you started in casting. Yeah, um, I was a performer when I was younger. So I always enjoyed entertainment, fascinated with TV and film. And I came out here about 15 years ago with aspirations to be an actor. Things kind of moved into, you know, behind the scenes. I, I got a bug to do that. I started out in casting with an indie film. It was a horror film. Uh, it was actually... Um, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. So I got to really be able to delve in and like find really interesting characters for the movie and connect with actors. So that was kind of my first introduction. And then from there, I worked at a kid's agency called Osbrink and I worked under the vice president there. And I always said that it was kind of like my boot camp because it gave me an opportunity to really get in the trenches and learn all there is to know about an agency world. So I worked there for two and a half hour, two and a half years. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was great. I mean, I really had a, a great opportunity to um, understand how submitting works, um, you know, really how to multitask, the rolling those calls um, and, you know, gen general maintenance of each of my clients. Um, and then from there, I moved to another agency and I became an actual agent and I worked in the kids theatrical and commercial department. And um, yeah, so that's kind of how I brought me to management in, in a roundabout way. Any reason why you didn't um, stay an agent? You just decided to be a talent manager instead. Well, I loved being an agent because it taught me about the hustle. It taught me how to be persistent and understand the business aspect of it because that's what agents do. They understand the terms and, and how to read a contract and really be detail-oriented in that regard. But I felt like it was kind of in personal because I, we had so many clients, I didn't really know them. So in submitting them, I only knew certain things about them. And, and I wanted to build more of a connection to my clients and be more about like really developing them and really like, you know, giving them the tools to be able to make them a great actor. And I've just felt like an agent was just like a, it's just super busy all the time, really crazy because you're just, you're having to just submit, submit, submit. And that's like your main main job. And so I thought a manager was a person who could definitely have more of a relationship with their clients and just, yeah, build a better connection. And it's easier to start a management company too versus an agency. Yeah, because with an agency, you have to be bonded. There's certain rules and regulations you have to go by where it's a little bit more open for a manager and it's easier to start a business. Isn't it like a one million bond for mm -hmm. agents? Yeah. That is a lot of money. Yeah, and you have to have a brick and mortar, like an actual obvious office, an you know, an agency. Whereas a manager, some of them work, you know, remotely from their home or like a hybrid between an office and their home. It gives you more flexibility as well. Well, you started your um, your company in 2016, but you're working on your own. Is this how usually um, talent managers work? Do they work on their own sort of like freelance style or there are companies that have like a lot of talent managers? Um, we don't know. So we just want to find out. Yeah, it varies. I mean, there are definitely like your three arts, like a larger kind of, you know, um, management company where they are 
or like um, anonymous content or something where they're like a huge like corporation almost. And there's, you know, a lot of managers. And then obviously there's a smaller versions of that as well. But then there's also, you know, managers that pretty much work solely on their own, either by themselves or just maybe with an assistant. So it varies, you know. Can anyone get into talent management? Yeah. Um, basically, you just have to, um, you know, you have to have some type of reference to be able to get like the breakdowns, usually some um, like um, referral or something to be able to get access to that because they don't give that access to anyone. So if you can do that, you can pretty much get the breakdowns and and start submitting and then just start your business from there. Okay, so that's breakdowns. Do you have to have relationships with casting directors and sort of, you know, people who are working um, in the movies to give the best service to your to your client? I think it helps. It definitely helps. It helps to have those connections with casting directors, with agents to be able to, you know, push your clients and, you know, be able to get those opportunities. Absolutely. So how many um, actors does a manager usually um, look after? You mentioned that there is a difference between agents and managers in terms right. of how many people you look after. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I think I vary between 20 to 25 clients and then like an agent usually in a larger agency would have like a hundred mm -hmm. at least. So it's a big difference between how many clients I have in like an agency. How do you find clients or do clients find you? Both. Yeah. Um, I typically will um, go to showcases or any type of plays, events like that, because I can actually see their acting ability and them performing on stage. That's I love to do that. Um, whether it be like a diversity, like the ABC Diversity Showcase or just a school that has a showcase or something like that. Also, t sometimes I'll go into like talent link with Actors Access and access clients that way. Um, and then I also have clients that reach out to me. Either they reach out to me um, through referrals from clients of myself or they've heard of me or, you know, randomly they'll be looking through IMDb and do their research and, and see me and then contact me. So it's various ways that I'll find clients. So what do you look uh, for in the actor that um, you're willing to to represent? So you go and see a play. Is there their acting ability? Is there a specific look? Do you have like a roster of clients and you're trying to make sure that you've got lots of different types? How yeah. does it work? Um, well, definitely I try to make sure I don't have any conflicts because that doesn't really make sense. So, you know, different ages, different looks, different ethnicities, a variety. Um, that's one thing I really try to do is not try to have the same of the same type, you know, a lot of the same types. Um, and yeah, and then obvi obviously I want to connect with that person and 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 like the person in the initial interview that there's like an energy that we get along with each other. And then I look for somebody that's driven, obviously, someone that's willing to do their side of the, the work as well. And, you know, is a go getter and, you know, is really doing everything possible to make their career successful. So I'm usually when I'm in an interview with somebody, I can usually tell if I like the person within a few minutes and whether we're going to work well together. And I try to be very frank about what I expect, not in a rude way, but this is what I expect out of my actor. And and, you know, so they know what to, you know, expect working with me, you know. Is there um, is there a stage at which an actor should be looking for for a manager um, or, you know, should they look for a manager as soon as they move to Hollywood and start, you know, taking acting classes? Right. Or is there a sort of 
um, in a step-by-step uh, process in which, you know, you take acting classes, then you uh, start self-submitting, then you get your reel, and only then you look for um, for a manager? Um, I think it would help to have some type of credits of some sort and a reel before you reach out to a manager. Just because even though a manager, managers do typically kind of take the risk with clients that an agent wouldn't, they're still looking for someone that has something that will allow them to be pitchable, that will allow them to be, um, you know, to to grasp the attention of the casting director. And if they don't have any credits at all, it's very difficult. So I would say do the work, self-submit, go out there and, you know, even student films, if it's like AFI or USC, something that's credible, that can give you great material for a reel. Get some decent headshots and kind of build those materials before you reach out to a manager. I think it helps, you know. And now the other way, mm-hmm. what do actors look for in a manager? Do, they, do you think they've got actually an understanding of what your job entails? Some do, some don't. Um, I think that what I hear a lot from actors is they need an extra push that an agent can't do. So whether that be, you know, pitching or kind of thinking outside the box or just being able to give them more advice than their agent does. Um, That's one thing. And then people who don't have an agent want a manager so that they can get out there submitted and possibly find an agent at some point too. You know what I mean? So there's... There's different reasons why people want managers, but I think it's mainly they want a little extra care a lot of times that the agent isn't allowed to do or isn't able to do. So so is it in a way that um, talent managers are like coaches for actors? I think in some ways, yeah. Um, it's funny because I kind of feel like I'm a parent in a way. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but like, you know, like they'll... You know, they're like, I don't know which one to pick and what do I do? And like you answer a lot of questions and you try to help them through things. So I think that's a huge part of my job is just maybe hand holding is not the right word. But yeah, just giving them that extra guidance, you know what I mean? That, you know, they're not able to get from other people. Do you think every actor needs um, a manager and an agent? Um, That's a good question. I think it really depends. I think that sometimes the manager can fulfill both jobs well, but I think that, you know, sometimes you do need both, especially I think as you get more progressive in your career, like your career starts to develop and you start to have momentum. I think having a manager and an agent is very important because, you know, a manager is managing your career. So not only are they helping to make sure that you're getting the right opportunities, but they're also managing your schedule and making sure you're aligned. So as you, as you, you know, develop and and you start to become well-known or, you know, your career starts to blow up, I think it's definitely important to have both of those. But not always when starting out. It just really depends, you know, Um, because you are having to divvy out more of a commission. So you have to really consider, is that person worth it, you know, to have both of them, you know. So do you think at the very beginning of actors' careers, um, it would be more beneficial to have a manager who can also submit you for stuff and sort of work the network than, you know, continuously try to find an agent 
Yeah, I think that is beneficial because, you know, you're going to be able to kind of help them to build those credits as a manager, whereas an agent probably won't even talk to you if you don't have it. So it's kind of like they get you to that place where you're going to be prepared to have an agent. You know what I mean? So do you think, well, actually, you probably just answered this question. Is like, do you think it's easier to find an agent if you already have a manager? Um, yeah, in some regards, because the manager has connections with agents. So they're able to, um, you know, get you those um, meetings and introductions. Whereas if you're just blindly submitting as a actor, a lot of times you don't even get a response. So yes, yeah. Do you ever find yourself in situations that you compete with agents or you like, you know, step on each other's toes? Um, you know, because I was an agent at one point, I understand the dynamic. It's kind of like um, very, very, very tricky. Um, and I, I have been put in situations where they don't even want to talk to me. But for the most part, I try to buffer that by being as like transparent as I can and communicating with them as much as I can. I think most agents and I work together well because I always fill them in like on what's going on. I think that the agent sometimes has a problem with a manager because A, they feel like they're lazy because I remember that when I worked as an agent. They feel like they just take the 15% and they don't do anything. So I try to make sure I submit, I push, I do everything for my client to help them out. And then also I feel like sometimes they would get upset because they wouldn't let them know of an audition or something going on. So I always try to, you know, CC um, the agents on emails and just keep them in the loop so that they know that I'm working with them, not against them. You know what I mean? So... So this is a very uh, specific question, um, and it goes back to uh, how much agents and, and, and managers charge. Um, let's say there is an audition, and it's the manager who submitted the actor. Both the managers and agents still get their share, right? Yes. Because this is all in the contract. Yes. Got it. Okay, well, let's talk about what happens in that first meeting when you meet an actor that you've seen in the play, you like their look, you like their acting abilities, and um, and you do this interview, right? This is what the first meeting is about. Mm -hmm. So what happens and what kind of questions do you ask? Um, well, at first, I just try to get to know them. I just make it very relaxed and just, you know, ask them to tell me about their self and their journey as an actor. And then from there, I'll obviously introduce myself and tell them, you know, about my story and kind of my bio. And then I try to pick their brain to see you know, what do they want in a manager? Um, what do they feel that they can give? You know, why why should I hire you? What can you give to, you know, contribute to my roster? And then also I like to kind of fi figure out how they see themselves specifically as an actor, meaning like I'll ask them a question, what type of brand do you think you are? Like what type of actor are you? Like what is your archetype? And I try to see if they know who they are as an actor. Because that's important. Yeah. Like they need to know how others see them. And, you know, obviously look at their materials. I a lot of times will tell them about their headshot, whether I think it's a strong headshot or they need to reshoot, even if we don't work together or not. I'll kind of give them a little advice. That's typically what it is, is getting to know each other and then, you know, finding out what they want from a manager and then just kind of figuring out how they see themselves and and also asking them, you know, basically, um, what do you foresee for your future? What type of shows do you want to go on into, like um, to be submitted to? 
Um, do you consider yourself a dramatic actor? Or do you consider yourself a comedic actor? So I'm just kind of finding out who they are as an actor and how they see themselves. How many times when you have these meetings, actors have no clue? Like they cannot answer what types they are and, you know, what they want to do. How often does that happen? Um, not too often. I think most of the time people do have a general idea of the types of, you know, parts that they can play. Every now and then they'll be stumped, you know, but most most of them have a, a awareness of, of, you know, who they are as an actor. And about the headshots, how many times do you have to tell your actors to reshoot? <laughs> um, more than I'd like to. <laughs> um, quite a bit. And I think that is like the major problem I have is that actors will think that they can just keep using the same headshot when it's not working or they want to go to somebody that's not reputable to save money. And yeah, that's a conversation I have Wait, more frequently than I like to. And I just feel like it's just the one thing that you need to do that can change everything for your career. You know, your materials are a huge part of whether you're going to be seen or not. So do you think um, this happens because actors get this tendency of wanting to look really, really good in their headshots rather than look like themselves and, you know, represent the characters that they can play? Or is it that they just get the type wrong? Or is it maybe a photographer's fault? I think it's a myriad of things. I think it sometimes is they want the pretty pictures. And it tends to be women like to do that <laughs> more than men probably. And I think it's just, um, you know, it's an economic thing too. It's, it's money. It's expensive, you know. So it's an investment that not everybody is, you know, comfortable making. And I think it's not understanding your type too. It's not really taking the time to think about that, taking branding classes, talking to your reps and really finding out what type, you know, uh, what's what, what's your strong suit? What do people see you as? Because sometimes what an actor sees himself as and what other people see themselves as are completely different things. So yeah, it's a various, various things that kind of prevent them from doing that. Yeah. Getting into the nitty gritty of headshots, how many different shots would you recommend? Um, I mean, it varies. I think you need to have at least three or four strong looks, like a variety. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Some actors like on their casting profiles will have so many looks will be like overwhelming. So you kind of have to be in a happy medium where obviously you have a variety, but you don't want to inundate your profile with like 50 looks. You know what I mean? That's excessive. So, yeah. But I think when you go to shoot for a headshot, three to four looks is a, is a good number. Yeah. Okay. And now let's talk about the age range that your you know, actors can, can also represent. Um, do you find that they tend to go, no, no, I look much, much younger. I, I, I can play a teenager when I'm like 25. Or they're happy to just, you know, take your advice and just roll with it. I think it depends. I mean, some some people, especially when they kind of push like in their 30s or 40s, they tend to want to make themselves younger. It's just one of those things. So, yeah, I do have actors that think they can play much younger than they can. And I kind of have to be like, well, I don't really think that's realistic. I will tell them honestly. Um, but then there are actors that are pretty open. I don't really care. I mean, what you think is what, you know, I'm, I'm completely trusting you. And they don't even care if they play older. They're like, as long as I get to work, you know, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, you know, yeah, they're realistic about it. 
Yeah. So what happens after that first meeting? Let's just assume that you decide to take the client on. Is there a business plan? Is there like a like a project? This is stuff that we need to do and that we need to, you know, the checklist that we need to tick off. Um, do you have anything like that that you share with um, with a client or it's more of a sort of on a conversation basis? Um, well, if I decide to take on the person, I send them a packet that essentially has like all of my guidelines and rules and all that jazz. So they can kind of have, a, you know, a, an understanding of how I work. And then I have my clients um, send me their pictures, like any pictures that aren't online so that I can go through that and see if there's any that need to be added to the casting profiles. And I also do something that's a little unique that not every manager does. I have my clients do a goal sheet when they start to work with me. It's a smart goal sheet where they're able to write down their immediate goals and their long-term goals and there is a deadline and how they're going to go about, you know, the steps to take to achieve those goals. And I like to do that just because I feel like, you know, as actors, we're, they're so right brain creative that they don't really look at the business aspect and map out you know, their journey, exactly how they want to go about it. So it allows them to kind of zone in and, and, you know, be more organized. And then it also allows me to understand what they want. Like, do they want to book, you know, a co-star for like, you know, Walking Dead, for instance, by this time? So I know, okay, this is the type of shows that they want. This is the type of role they want. And so I can have a better picture of what I need to submit them for as well. And then, yeah, it, it, it works. I mean, I've had several clients that set those goals and they've achieved it to the date. So I think it's really neat to be able to see that on paper for them and then to give them an actual visual of of what they want for their career. So I do that. Um, yeah, those are the things. And then we just, I usually follow up about a month later after, you know, we start working together just to kind of answer any questions and to kind of reiterate anything, just to kind of do a little debriefing of what, you know. So what do you do um, on behalf of actors on a day-to-day -day basis? Is it just submitting them for any roles that, um, that you may think that they'd be good for? Um, that's pretty much a, a large chunk of my time is spent submitting and pitching. And then also I'm going through um, profiles a lot of times, yeah, maybe once or twice a month and seeing if there's anything that needs to be cleaned up, added, um, you know, little missing pieces that need to be put in. Um, obviously I'm keeping track of on a day-to-day, -day, the bookings and the auditions. I try to always keep track of that. And that's generally to not only help me to find out where they are as far as what they're being submitted for and, you know, what they're going out for. But also I try to, you know, every six months to nine months, I'll sit down with clients that aren't doing too well and I'll look at the numbers, you know. And give them an idea of, okay, this is, you know, what you've been submitted for. This is how many auditions you had. This is how many bookings. I have to keep track of that so that we can, you know, understand what what the numbers are and, you know, basically what we need to work on, mm -hmm. you know. So um, what else is every day? I mean, obviously, I'm answering emails, questions from clients. Um, yeah, that's pretty much. But a large chunk of my day is is submitting and pitching. That's like a probably majority of the time that's what I'm doing. Did you have clients that you had to drop due to the fact that they were just not making any money. Mm -hmm. And I don't like to do that. I think that's the worst part of my job is sitting down and firing people, you know, that's or sending them that horrid email, you know, but um, I give people an opportunity to, to kind of change and try to improve. 
Um, I always have a meeting with somebody when I'm on the verge of, you know, dropping them where I look at the numbers and I show them that this is where we need to improve. What can we do to make this better? So I don't just flat out, you know, fire someone without any type of, you know, meeting and like, you know, a time to kind of give them an opportunity to change and improve. Yeah. What do you think are the main reasons why people get fired by you? Is it they're just not doing enough work? They're not doing enough additions? They're just, is there something else? I mean, sometimes it's out of their control. They've done everything. They've changed the headshots. They're doing, they're training. They're going to those workshops. They're doing whatever they can to improve themselves. And it's just not working for whatever reason. You know, it's just, I don't know, it's not clicking. Maybe the type is not popular right now or, you know, it's just whatever. But a lot of times it's because it's laziness. I mean, I'll be honest, like they're not listening to me when I tell them like, change your headshots, it's not working. They're giving me excuses about that. Or they're not going out and doing the work on their end. And that's the whole thing. I can only do so much. You know what I mean? I can submit, I can pitch, I can go out there and do what I can and try to give you advice to Im improve you as an actor, but it takes your work as well. You should be doing 60% of it, it's your career. So you need to go out there to those events and you know try to take intensive classes with casting directors or do workshops or you know train, um, you know, get your social media up and to you know kind of get more of a presence. They've gotta be able to do the work too. So when they don't do that and people get lazy, they tend to obviously not be able to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge part. And then there's, unfortunately, I've had to let people go because our personalities just don't click. You know, it's just for, for whatever reason, it's just not working out, you know? And that, that's very seldom that I, I have that happen. But, you know, there's been times where there's been arguments and things, you know, <laughs> things have happened where we just don't click, you know? And I think, yeah, that's, but... That's the main thing is is just being able to put the work in. When you when you get lazy and you expect your agent or your manager to do all the work, it's not good. You know what I mean? Is there a way um, for actors to work with casting directors and trying to build these relationships beyond workshops? Um, so, for instance, you know, checking in with a postcard or, mm -hmm. or, or do something else. What would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, postcards are good. Um, I think. You know, um, workshops are kind of tricky. I've seen them work and I've seen them not work, you know. Um, uh, also, the intensives, I think, are really good. I mean, because the casting director intensive, you're going to be able to build more of a connection with the casting director and more of a relationship. They're going to remember you better. And those do work because um, not only are you getting training, but you're also building that network there as well. Um, what else can you do? I mean... Yeah, I think that that's the main thing is just, you know, making basically having them remember you, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's going in to meet them in a in a class or, you know, postcard just so that they can remember you. And then that helps also when even if you go to a workshop, which is kind of questionable, if you go in enough times, you know, that's a pitching point for your your manager or agent to follow up after they submit. And they want you to do that. You know, say, you know, so-and-so's was in your workshop a week ago and I just submitted him for this role. I just wanted to let you know. And then they're making a connection there, you know? 
What type of mistakes do you see actors making over and over and over again? Um, well, I think that the main thing is that they're not reasonable about the process. I always tell everyone, you know, it's it's a marathon race. It's not a sprint race. It doesn't happen overnight. I wish it did. It takes time. You know, I like to think that you could book a guest star role out of the gate without co-star roles, but just not going to happen. So being realistic that you need to build. I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, but you know, you got to build the co-star and then the guest star and the recurring. That's It's a process and it takes time. So being patient is a thing that I think actors you know, struggle with, people struggle with. They want it to happen. They want it to happen immediately. Um, and I think that, you know, when they do have representation, they don't trust their reps. They don't listen to their reps. And I always think like if they're your representation and you want to collaborate with them, you need to trust that their advice is is solid. You know, it doesn't mean that you can't have a conversation about it and work thing and compromise, but sometimes they just ignore it and they don't want to listen to the reps for whatever reason. So that hinders them from progress. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, those are the two main problems I have. I mean, obviously building on that, you know, not having proper headshots and materials and, and that kind of thing and not understanding how important that is, is another problem too, that actors typically make over and over again. Um, yeah, so those are main things. And I, I really struggle with some actors just not trusting me and not listening to my advice. Um, and also I find like sometimes actors make the mistake of being too persistent. I mean, there's a happy balance that you need to do. I think there are some actors that will like email you like every other day and like, why am I, am I, I'm just wondering why I'm not getting out. And I'm like, well, I'm, I can't answer that for you. I submit you, I pitch you. There's nothing I can do about that, you know? So being a little too pushy can be an issue too. You know, you want to you want to have a happy medium. You want to be able to be persistent, but not be overly persistent. So we've been talking about firing actors. Let's, let's try to end on a more positive note. Right. <laughs> Looking at all the client roster that, that you had, uh, what was your biggest success? Something that you were like super excited about that you took an actor from like an unknown to, you know, booking a co-star or, or booking a guest star on the show? Yeah, um, I have a couple. I mean, I have one guy who just three years ago graduated from college. He did have a credit, like a TV movie, but he like within two years has had like six roles and one of them is recurring. So that's super exciting. I mean, he's just brilliantly like talented. He, he's a triple threat. He's amazing. So that was great to see recurring because that's a wonderful thing. And And then I have another gentleman that, had a few credits, but he's booked two recurring roles, recurring guest star and a recurring co-star role. He goes out all the time. But I think that I found like there's one girl that I rep and she had like a student film credit. She had very little credit and she was fairly green, but she's like gone on to just be working constantly. And she just went in for, I won't disclose what it is, but she went in for a huge series regular audition. And she has done the work. Like she is, I'm proud of her. She was a reader. 
um, in an audition room for several months to build a connection with the casting director. She's done everything she can to continue to foster that. And because of that, she's helped herself to get that audition for the series regular. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, do those things. Like, being a reader is another thing. Being a reader in an audition room so you can get to know the casting director and build those connections. She did the work and that's why she got that audition. So yeah, I helped her, I pitched her and I, you know, I contacted the casting director, but had she not made the connection with that casting associate in that office, I don't think she would have got that audition. And I don't think that she would have made that relationship. And she went in for a callback. They're still waiting to see back, you know, who's who's who booked the role. But I mean, that's exciting just to be able to get that opportunity, you know, cause she's not a name talent. So yeah, like that's a huge success and I'm super proud of her. And each of those people that have been that successful have done the work on their end. They go out there, they're not only acting, but some of them are writers, some of them are producers, some of them are going out there and just talking to people and meeting people, doing showcases, and that's why they're successful. They're doing everything possible to, you know, do the work on their end, you know what I mean? We talk about TV a lot because we're talking about co-stars and recurring mm -hmm. and guest stars and eventually series regular. But what about actors who do not want to do TV? They just want to be in the movies and they, you know, they're happy to be in independent, independent films. Yeah. I mean, there are clients of mine that are excited to be in film, but I feel like obviously film is still a thing. I mean, obviously people still go to the movies, but because of everything streaming, even it's just... I don't know. I feel like TV is such a huge thing and there's so many more opportunities there. Um, you know, people don't go to the movies as much as they used to. So there is a lot more opportunities in TV. Um, most of my clients wouldn't say that they just want to do feature films. They're open to do both and they see that there's opportunity in both. But yeah, it's just, it's changed. You know, you, TV used to be something you didn't want to do and now it's something that everyone wants to do huge actors are, you know, series regular on, on TV shows. So. And I guess it's not only TV shows actually on TV, on like Netflix or yeah. HBO. And there are full, you know, feature movies. Right. Um, that you've got a chance to, you know, to, uh, to audition for. You mentioned um, workshops and you mentioned showcases. And I'm trying to, and intensives as well. I'm trying to figure yeah. out what, what the differences are. Could you just tell us, what each of these actually represents. Yeah. Um, a workshop is pretty quick. It's like a one and done. Like you go in, they see your headshot, you read a scene or read a monologue and you're gone. And they put you on camera and that's pretty much it. So it's very quick in order to be recognized by that casting director. You'd probably have to go multiple times. Intensive is more like an actual class. So... It would be, you know, a few weeks and you're going in and you're working on a scene and they're giving you feedback. And so it's just a longer, it's an actual class versus just kind of meeting them and them seeing you for a few minutes. Yeah. And what's a showcase? Showcase is um, usually, typically, um, acting schools will put them on, although there's other showcases as well. It's an opportunity for the actor to do a scene in front of industry people, whether it's casting directors, agents, managers, and to be seen. 
and possibly get, you know, meetings out of that or connection, make make a connection from it. Um, there's also showcases that are done by different networks, like ABC and BC does showcases. You're usually diversity showcases where you um, audition and a select few um, are able to perform in a showcase. And that isn't on a larger scale. Obviously, there's going to be like, you know, network casting executives there and, you know, probably a lot of managers and agents as well. So there's various types of showcases available. Yeah. Meredith, thank you so much for this. Um, <laughs> so, so useful and informational. One last question. If you could give only one, just a single piece of advice to actors out there, both the aspiring actors who are just starting out and the ones who are not having this much success right now, what would it be? Hmm. Wow. One piece of advice. If it helps, yeah. if it helps, um, rather than one piece of advice, what quality do you think um, actors should really foster within themselves in order to succeed in Hollywood? I think you have to have a sense of yourself. You know, I think you really need to develop yourself beyond acting to have side, you know, um, whether it's hobbies or, um, you know, gigs or whatever that are kind of able to make you well-rounded I feel like if everything and anything is acting and that's your whole life if it doesn't pan out the way that you want to I think it's it's really defeating so I think it me you need to be a diverse person you need to be able to have other um, interests and other likes and surround yourself around people that are going to help you in the journey um, not people that are going to be jealous of you and try to tear you down. So just having a network of people that you can really trust and that are going to be, you know, honest with you, but still encouraging and not to lose yourself in it. Like know who you are, gen like authentically, um, you know, know what you don't want to do and don't back down from that. Know what you want to do. And yeah, you just have to have a real sense of yourself because if you don't have a sense of yourself people will tell you what you're going to do people will tell you who you are and your values so it's important to really know who you are so yeah and that that's part of just you know doing the day-to-day -day things the affirmations and staying positive and to understanding your worth and also the people you surround yourself around it's important to be around the right people people who are positive people who are on your side but people who are also working hard and are successful too so I think there's a lot of elements. Yeah, but mainly, mainly just knowing who you are. Because it, this this industry, if you're not thick skin and you don't know who you are, it will tear you apart. I mean, then be honest. You have to really have a real sense of who you are as a person. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all, folks. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at LA is good for you. Our podcast is recorded at Rosinanta Studios in Delray, recommended for all your low-budget recording and sound editing needs.